How can an integrative nursing model that treats the whole person offer a new paradigm for our troubled healthcare system that's focused on reaction rather than prevention? Let's explore these and other important issues with nurse author and integrative advanced practice nurse, Kim Evans, right here on episode 322 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, I'm still, of course, bringing you my pandemic updates at the end of every month. Meanwhile, this podcast continues to be about you, your personal and professional development, your nursing and healthcare career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews like today's with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, medicine, tech, entrepreneurship, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, whether you've been here for just this episode or maybe for many years. Thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And remember that Nurse Keith Coaching is your destination for all things related to your nursing career. I offer individualized, holistic career coaching for nurses and healthcare professionals all around the world. And if you mention the show, you can get 10% off your first coaching package. So email me at keith at nursekeith.com to schedule a complimentary chat. Now, today we are joined by new friend of the pod, Kim Evans. She's an advanced practice registered nurse, and we have a lot to talk about. And Kim, I want to just dive right in and just ask you a couple questions. What is it about our healthcare system that makes us so focused on disease rather than focusing on wellness? That's a great question, Keith. Uh, when you look at how much money is allocated for research, only 5% of our research dollars goes toward wellness and disease prevention. So our system is literally set up for an acute care. You know, you're in an accident, we're there for you, which is the great part of our uh, conventional medicine system. But when you look at our overall health in our country, about 50% of people have a chronic illness. And our model is not set up, ideally, to deal with chronic illnesses. It's great in an acute illness, but chronic illnesses, uh, not so much. It's interesting when you said that I, I immediately flashed onto we always call it the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, but it actually is officially the CDCP. It's the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. But isn't it kind of ironic that we never say Centers for Disease Control and Prevention? Do you ever hear anybody say that? Never. I didn't even realize that P was on there. It's interesting. Well, it is the center, it is the CDC. It, you know, they do call it the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, but we never say it. And it doesn't seem to be reflected in the things that we talk about within our system to a large extent. This isn't a blanket statement. I mean, there are people out there doing great work, you know, in allopathic medicine. So we don't want to cast dispersions on anyone, but we know that the overall zeitgeist is is geared towards disease, right? And You've you've been a nurse for four decades, right? Yes, yeah, since 1977. Wow, 1977. And how long have you been practicing in an integrative manner? Like when did that begin for you? That began 
when I was a critical care specialist and went to a conference by the Critical Care Nurses Association. And I heard, uh, I went to a pre-conference that was given by Barbara Dossie, Kathy Gazetta, and Chris Kessler. And it changed my life. And that was in 1993. I see. So I started practicing, you know, in a hope from a holistic perspective. And of course, at that time, I was a critical care specialist. And I remember standing in the ICU one day and looking around thinking that could have been prevented. That could Mm. have been prevented. That Mm. could have been prevented. And that's when I sort of had the epiphany that we don't really do health care. We do disease care. We wait till you get sick and then try to fix it. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting that. Barbie Dossie was a figure in that that realization for you back in the early 90s. She lives here in Santa Fe. And before the pandemic, we would meet for tea at the Canyon Road Tea House here in Santa Fe every season or so. She's a lovely person. And I know you know her husband, Larry, who I don't know. And, you know, she's been on the forefront of this stuff since the 70s and has been, you know, calling out these changes that need to happen for so long. And you're actually, you've been there too. You've been in the forefront here as have others. And what is it like for you? And we'll get back to some of the the things you've observed, but at first I just want to ask about your practice. So what's it like for you to be a, you are a mainstream provider in that you're an advanced practice registered nurse. However, you also bring in a lot of other things than what you learned in APRN school, right? So what oh, is it like goodness, to, yes. as a nurse, to bridge those worlds? How does it feel? What does it look like? Well, that's, again, a great question because it's sort of been an evolution. When I very first started, um, I remember one of my friends saying, well, how are you going to make any money if it's complimentary? Because I told her I was going to be be doing complimentary medicine. So uh-huh. immediately I changed the name because, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to give that impression. Plus, okay. so that's when um, I started my practice as Institute for Integrative Medicine, because that's really what it is. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And as I said, there's some great parts of conventional medicine. At the same time, when people have a chronic illness and a chronic disease, then we have to go beyond what medicine offers in terms of a primary focus on prescription, medications, and surgery. Because there's so Mm -hmm. many more tools in the toolbox of an integrative provider besides just medicine and surgery. Right. And you have your own practice, freestanding practice in Louisville, Kentucky, right? Correct. Correct. And are there other providers with you? There are. We have a team of uh, several other providers. One person, he is certified as a biofeedback practitioner. We have Kimberly May, who is, uh, she's a wellness coach. She's also certified in havening and also heart math. We have another provider, Nona, who does Reiki. And then we have a provider who does AIT, which is Advanced Integrative Therapy that we refer to quite a bit. We have a yoga teacher, and uh, she's also trained in Jensen Jitsu. 
So we mm-hmm. use multiple modalities for whatever works. I see. Now, here's a question for you that will piggyback on the previous episode, episode uh, 321 with your friend Kathleen Bartholomew and my new friend as well. Now, Kathleen and I were talking about on episode 321, the ways in which the system doesn't work, how it's disease-focused, et cetera, et cetera, and how we need a different system so that everybody can receive the care that they need, because we know a lot of people don't receive the care that they need. So systemically speaking, to be able to do what you do, what of your practice can actually get billed to insurance? And what is are things that people just have to pay for out of pocket? Good question. The way I set my practice up, initially, we did take insurance. And then I realized that our structure, our model does not fit into an insurance structure. So in 2007, mm-hmm. I stopped taking insurance and we cut our rates to make them reasonable so that anyone can afford to come. So we are a cash pay practice. Now, people can, we still use billing codes and diagnosis codes so that they can take those and submit it to their insurance to be reimbursed for out-of-network services. Mm-hmm. So the office visits could be uh, potentially reimbursed, although that's not an easy process for people. Right. And you can't make promises to people that that's going to work. That's between them and their insurance company. So exactly. I'm, I'm exactly. sure I'm sure it's not exactly everyone that can come because I'm sure there are people in the Louisville area who, you know, probably can barely afford food. So, you know, there's there's things that are out of reach of so many people. And I partake of a lot of those types of care myself yes. here in Santa Fe. Yes. So we all we all I think grudgingly and and um maybe painfully accept the fact that a lot of us can get special care that others don't. And that's part of what Kathleen and I were talking about in the last episode. Yes. How we need a different type of system. Yes. So what do you think the future is? And I want to ask you this for a specific reason. Let me set this up. So I talk to a lot of nurses who come to me for career coaching or just to talk about their frustrations with the healthcare system and are burnt out. They want to do something different. A lot of them are interested in alternative slash complementary slash holistic practices. They have all sorts of certifications or there's things they want to do. And they say, I don't know if I can really do this because insurance won't pay for it. People won't come see me. Um, I'm swimming against the current of the mainstream healthcare system as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I'm confused. Like people come to me with these confusions. And what would you say to people who who want to integrate this into their practice somehow, whether they do it kind of kind of in subtle ways, like we're working on a med surge unit and they bring in, I don't know, they bring in um, essential oils or whatever. Like they do little subtle things and also the ones who want to break out and do something big like you. What what would you tell these people who who feel the desire, but they just don't know if it's possible? I would say go for it. Mm-hmm. 
And the reason is, is because I feel like we are on the cusp of a huge transition and a huge change. Tell me more about that. People realize that number one, they need to take responsibility and accountability for their own health. I have so many people who are that I've talked to who are not going to see their doctor because they can't afford it or, you know, they feel they've been putting things off um, because, you know, they're, they don't have health insurance because the premiums are too high. Yes. And so, you know, this is, we're on the cusp of a disaster, which is why I feel like things are going to shift. I also feel like that many nurses have the mindset that they have to be able to be employed and not be an employee. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, they don't realize they could start their own business or they think they have to have an advanced practice license in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And really by nature of our basic nursing license, we are healthcare information specialists. And so many people I, that I talk to, they're willing to pay for help. They just don't know how to access it. They don't know where to go to get it. Mm-hmm. And one of the fortes of my practice is that, you know, we, I block two hours for an initial uh, office so that we can go through their whole entire medical history, you know, what their lifestyle's like, their family support, et cetera. And so many people, they just, haven't had a chance to be heard mm-hmm. and just listening and witnessing their health journey is transformative for many patients. But Kim, why can't you do that in 15 minutes? What's the matter? <laughs> ah, exactly. You That's can't, the you can't glean all model. that information in 15 minutes, Kim? Come yeah. <laughs> so, so you're saying that, of course, within your scope of practice, in your state, and based on the education level you have, there are things that you can do as a business owner. And there are many nurse entrepreneurs out there doing interesting things. So you're saying that if you understand your scope of practice and you don't go beyond that, right? You do what is legal and ethical, et cetera. There are services you could offer if you have them to offer, right? Absolutely. I mean, just helping people with their medication management Mm -hmm. and, you know, how to set it up so that they're taking their medicines correctly and it's not interfering with other uh, medications. Mm -hmm. For instance, many people don't even realize that if you take your thyroid, it has to be taken on an empty stomach and you can't eat an hour or it's going to interfere with your medicine. Right. Or the fact that you have to wait two to three hours before you take any kind of minerals, Mm -hmm. such as calcium, magnesium, or vitamin D. Mm -hmm. So if you're mixing that, you're negating the efficacy of your thyroid medicine. Thank you. I keep my armor thyroid in a little box next to my bed. And when I wake up around 4 a.m. to use the restroom, I take my thyroid. (laughs) That's exactly what we teach patients to do. So then Mm -hmm. as soon as they get up, they can have their coffee. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you've been doing and seeing and uh, observing and experiencing so much out there. And you told me a, a story about your your husband, right? 
Um, yes. And it had something to do with vitamin D. Could you briefly tell us that story? Yes. Because what this has to do with is, again, it has to do with insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. And the premiums in our country keep escalating higher and higher. And yet the services that we get Mm -hmm. for those premiums are significantly decreasing. Absolutely. I've experienced it myself. And one of the things I've observed multiple times, not just once, but multiple times, is that the cash rate for a service is the same as what your copay or coinsurance rate is. And to expand on the vitamin D issue, so we, our health insurance was covered by Anthem, but the, my husband worked for a company whose parent company was in Iowa. So, and you know, we live in Louisville, Kentucky. In Kentucky, Anthem covers a vitamin D level. In Iowa, they don't cover a vitamin D level which again made no sense to me at all because uh, Iowa, uh, you would think weather-wise, more people in Iowa would need a vitamin D level. One would think. And in fact, when I spoke to the representative in Iowa, she goes, I get asked this question every day why we don't cover vitamin D. (laughs) But anyway, to make a long story short, so... We had kept getting billed, and no matter what I did, you know, we ended up having to pay for that vitamin D level, which was $232 okay. of our out of pocket cost. In my office, our cash rate through Quest to have a vitamin D level done was $42. That's almost a $200 difference. So, what does it really cost? Mm-hmm. And this leads to the huge problem of transparency. Yes, we, you and I talked about that last week when we had a chat, didn't we? Yes. So what does it really cost? And mm-hmm. I had another patient who she wanted to get a bone density test because we've given her several. Um, we, she's on calcium supplements. She's doing some exercises, this uh, exercise called Yamana therapy that helps to work on your bones. So we're doing a lot of other interesting things to help her bones. So we wanted to check her bone density. Medicare will only cover the bone density every two years, but we wanted to do it yearly to see what difference we're making in our interventions. Mm -hmm. So in the in-between year, I asked her, what did you, what was your coinsurance rate for your bone density last year? It was $178. So we contacted the hospital to see what the cash rate would be for your bone density if she just paid cash out of pocket, $178. Hmm. Interesting. So if our cash rates are the same as the coinsurance rates, then why are we paying all these premiums for health insurance if we can negotiate and get the cash rates that are the same same price? See, and you gave me some advice last week because- my NP was sending me for a um, echo stress, right? Yes. For some cardiac issues that I'm looking at. So 
I was scheduled to go the day before the hospital called me to get me all registered, asked me COVID questions. And they said, oh, we talked to your insurance, True Health New Mexico. And because you haven't met your $4,000 deductible yet, because it's early in the year, it's this is uh, Affordable Care Act I have, um, quote unquote, Affordable Care Act. Um, that's where my insurance comes from because I'm self-employed. She said, your co-insurance is going to be $1,400. And I said, okay, let's cancel the test. <laughs> so we canceled the test. So you then told me last week, you said, call the hospital. And I haven't done this yet, uh, but I will, Kim, and ask them what the cash rate is for those tests. And my cardiologist actually decided to order them separately rather than together. And he said that would dramatically lower the cost than having them done at the same time. So I've experienced it. Many people have experienced it. Nurses are frustrated. Doctors are frustrated. You know what? I feel like this brings up, these are, these are ethical dilemmas. And Kathleen and I were talking about in the last episode, we were talking about the, the ethical and moral dilemmas we face in healthcare. Yes. And like my nurse practitioner, I emailed her saying, you know what, Terry, I'd love to get that test, but the coinsurance was 1400. So I decided not to do it for now. And she was so frustrated, you know, she, she kind of threw up her hands and said, okay, we need to go back to the drawing board. So, so you're. Here's one option that you may consider. Yeah. Tell us. In the drawing board, because this is what I explored for my patients who kind of had the same thing. Yeah. Because we're many times I do an advanced lipid panel. So, you know, we look at the particle numbers, Yes. And, you know, because your standard lipid panel only has so much information and mm -hmm. it's. You know, 50% of people who die of a heart attack have a normal standard lipid panel. So we do the advanced panel so we can look at their particle numbers and see what your cardiovascular risk is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those particle numbers are elevated. So we're like, hmm, do we put them on a statin? Do we just, you know, do diet and exercise? So one of the things I've found is that we can send the patient for a CT cardiac scan. Mm -hmm. And there's a local hospital here who has bundled a vascular scan and that CT calcium score for $99. Wow. If you do the same test in another hospital right in town, it's $250, the same test. Wow. And, and let's just, let's pause for a moment and think about all the people who might be facing cardiac issues, genetic issues that are causing them to, and we'll talk about genetics after the break. They're facing these issues, like I am, for instance, my heart attack risk is quite high. And they are the working poor, for instance, perhaps. And the difference between 250 and 99 is enormous. When they're barely able to make their rent, when they're just able to have enough to get food so their kids can eat and go to school, et cetera. That's a huge difference. So why is that hospital so special? Why is that hospital able and or willing to charge 99 for these tests? What's, what makes that possible? Well, number one, it's across the bridge. So it's over in the state of Indiana. <laughs> okay. It's not in Louisville, yeah, Kentucky. So okay. but literally it's across the bridge. So when I went, okay. I drove 24 minutes to get there from my house. So, uh -huh. you know, it's very close. So one is this is a state issue. 
right? So different systems, I guess. Makes right? me wonder. Makes me wonder. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this might have a lot of people listening wondering, like, why did I pay, quote unquote, this amount for this test? Or why is my patient, why did my patient cancel their stress tests? Like, what's going on here? Like, why with the Affordable Care Act, is my patient still not able to afford the coinsurance for this test that could reveal something that might save their life? So, right, right. Um, so when we come back from the break, Kim, you know, I want to talk about some of the things you've seen that are solutions. You want to talk about the APO gene, which I really want to learn about. And I bet yes. there's someone out there listening who would really benefit from learning that. And we want to talk about this nurse-driven integrative approach to health and wellness, because that's your middle name, basically. That's well, a long middle name, but you know, <laughs> anyway. Or, And we also want to talk about other ways in which you feel we can make these small alterations because Kathleen and I were talking in the last episode about some of the big picture issues like systemic change. Yes. And then here you and I can also talk about the small tweaks, the small things we can do as healthcare providers. And then I want to have you read a section from your book about that APO gene and why you feel that's so important. So we'll be back and we'll talk about all of that and more in the second half of episode 322 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember, the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 322. Remember, you can go there to learn all about Kim Evans and her practice. And some of the stuff we're talking about here, we'll have resources there for you. And you can contact Kim if you have questions. Right, Kim? Yes, absolutely. Great. Now, Kim, you wrote a book called, I have it right here, Transforming Healthcare, Healing You, Me, 
and our broken disease care system. And we will have a link to the book so people can buy it from the show notes. And we'll have a picture of the cover so people can see how beautiful it is. And on page 92 to 93, more or less, you're talking about the APOE gene. And I know this is very important to you in the way in which you practice. So could you read this section for us? And then you and I can kind of break it down and kind of um, unpack some of my major ignorance about this particular concept. Sure. The APOE gene was discovered in the early 1970s. On DNA chromosome 19, the APOE gene was identified and found to come in three variations, two, three, or four. Each person gets one of these gene types from their mother and one from their father, resulting in six different genotype possibilities, two, 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 three, two, four, 3-3, or 4-4. The most common genotype is 3-3. Each genotype is associated with different protein structures, which require different combinations of fuel sources. The 2-gene type is associated with cysteine-based proteins. The APOE4 gene type is associated with arginine-based proteins. Cysteine types process nutrients quickly, and are best supported by long-term fuel sources, such as healthy fats, while arginine is best supported with short-term food sources, healthy carbohydrates. People who have a four gene in their genotype have a difficult time clearing fats and cholesterol, so their metabolism is best supported by a low-fat diet. Those who have a two gene are best supported by a moderate or higher fat diet. These differing protein structures and related preferred fuel sources explain why one diet does not fit all. Everyone's metabolism is different based on their APOE gene, thus their preferred sources and diet recommendations will vary. Huh. And then we list the recommended diet and exercise prescriptions. Right. And then on page 93, you have a, a table showing if you have this particular genotype, this is the diet that would be the best for you. Now, let's talk about this for a second. So, you know, I mentioned that, that I have high cardiac risk right now. Um, my HDL triglyceride uh ratio is like a 9.3 and it should be around mm. a two. So my heart attack risk is very high and I've lived a very, very healthy life. <laughs> and But my father had many heart attacks, quite a few interventions and died of a heart attack um, last year on his 90th birthday. So why do we not test this gene regularly in most people, especially those who are at high risk. Why do we not do this? I do not understand. The only thing that I can say is that, as you are well aware, healthcare providers, whether you're speaking about physicians or nurses, are not educated in nutrition. No, they're not. Right. And so the whole premise of the APOE, your genetics based on your APOE, it literally turns inflammation switch 
And if you have a gene like passed down from your father, say a propensity for heart disease, okay. that gene never expresses if you have created a healthy internal environment. Mm-hmm. However, the healthy internal environment isn't cookie cutter, you're saying. It's it's based on my my genotype, which will dictate how to create a healthy internal environment for myself, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So let's go back to what we were talking about prior to the break, which was how, you know, we were talking about insurance and how things cost so much, but the cash rate can actually be just the same as what you would have had to pay as coinsurance without paying premiums, et cetera. So in most cases, give us a ballpark. Like say I just tell my nurse practitioner, I want to find out my APO, my APOE genotype. If she wrote a order and I went to Quest Diagnostics, what would it cost me if I just paid for it? And again, there's a cash rate mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's the actual rate. Now that's a really interesting question you bring up because we in our office, we do not bill the APOE through insurance. And the reason is because we do not want an insurance company having access to your genetics. See, that's another thing right there. Because then if they know that, they can increase your premiums, et cetera. So if I was going to pay, say if one of your patients was going to pay cash for APOE genotype in Louisville, Kentucky, what would they pay? It's $300. And then that includes the genetic test, it includes the uh, their individual prescription for diet and exercise, and it includes a class. We have a class once a month that they come to get all the information about their APOE. Now, I know a lot of people do 23andMe and they do all these other other um, types of genetic testing because they want to know like if they're related to Cleopatra or you know if they're like 0.27%, um, you know, a Taiwanese or something like that, which is all very interesting. But if I was going to spend, say, $150 to do that, let's just say, yes, that wouldn't necessarily give me a lot of very useful information in terms of taking care of myself. It might be really cool to know if I had an African ancestor, you know, five or 10 generations ago, but that won't really tell me much about how to live my life, will it? Interestingly, so a few years ago, when 23andMe first started, they did include the APOE. So they did? if patients, yes, so if patients did the 23andMe, we would get their APOE information from 23andMe, and then they would just come to our class. So it was a little bit of reduced rate. But I found, I think you're going to say, however. However, yes. And I don't know what happened. I think it was a political thing. Okay. But now they only give you one SNP, you know, only one of those numbers. Mm-hmm. So you don't get the, you can't make a judgment on your APOE with only one of the numbers. You have to have your, the pair to be able to interpret your APOE. That must have been very surprising to you after having been able to use the 23andMe results for the benefit of your patient's health. Surprising is a good term to describe yeah. it. Well, I was, I was being soft. Yeah. You were shocked. You were you were flabbergasted. You were gobsmacked. Kind of furious. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to go through all the other words, you know. Yeah. yeah. The old-fashioned ones. But I do want to say one other thing. 
because two things. First of all, we know that 30% of our chronic illnesses, heart disease, diabetes, stroke, are preventable. Mm-hmm. So, and they all have inflammation as a key component. So if patients just did their APOE and followed the APOE guidelines, they could significantly reduce their risk for the three major killers. And my colleague, Pam McDonald, has created an online program, a 16-week program. So if you wanted to get your APOE and do the six-week program, it's $599. And that could literally change your life and your health trajectory for the rest of your life. Yeah, on page 94, you talk about Pam McDonald and her, she's the author of The Perfect Gene Diet. So that's very interesting. You and I are going to talk about this more offline and I'm going to call my local lab that I use, Tricor Labs, and find out what they charge cash for an APOE um, genotype. So that's very interesting. And we will help you, you know, yeah, we'll talk about it offline, but we will definitely help you. So if we extrapolate this out to a nurse-driven integrative approach to health and wellness, where we're actually talking about nutrition, we're actually talking about interventions that can be, how would you say, um, um, personalized for each individual rather than cookie cutter. Is that one of the central pillars of your practice Absolutely. and why you do what you do? Absolutely. Okay. And also the other pillar that, of course, as you're well aware of with a uh, holistic integrative approach is the mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. We could spend uh, two hours speaking about all the things we do for the mind-body connection and even spiritually as well. Sure. Could you give us one example of that type of approach? Could you use sort of an amalgam patient or a situation you've seen or something that you think would illustrate that pretty clearly for us? Yes. I had a patient who came in, he was complaining of problems in his right shoulder. And so, um, you know, I'm sorry, it was his left shoulder. He had a lot of issues with his left shoulder. And so he came in because I also do acupressure I'm a nurse ama therapist. So as I'm exploring, you know, his and doing some acupressure points on his arm, then I said, tell me what's going on in your life. Well, it turns out he's going through a horrible divorce and he was having a lot of problems with his ex-wife. Well, the left side of the body represents the female side mm-hmm. and the right side of the body represents the paternal or male side. So he was having all these issues on the left side, uh, you know, the female part. So as we talked through that and, you know, uh, I showed him the acupressure points, we did that, he felt a lot better. He's, he said, you know, I'm going back to my therapist, try to resolve these issues. But when he left, I thought, I just wonder, had he gone to a conventional practice they might have injected his shoulder with some kind of cortisol, um, you know, maybe given him a muscle relaxer. And then I guarantee they would have offered an antidepressant. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> drugs, drugs, drugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I followed up with him, 
a month later, his pain had never come back. He was working with his counselor and, you know, he was turning, getting things resolved in his life. So, you know, that's just one little example. That's a good example. So you explored the psychosocial and psycho-emotional issues happening with him, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, in nursing school, depending on what the, I guess the, the theories underpinning your particular school, my school, when I got my associate degree back in the mid nineties, we used the, I forget who it was, the theorist, but it was the biopsychosocial model. And I actually really liked that model a lot. And I wish I could remember the name of the theorist and she's probably turning over in her grave right now. But, um, that that training we had did bring awareness to our initial nursing education around those issues. Though, of course, we had to really focus on the physiology and patho and all that kind of stuff. But some of our professors really did, did hone in on that biopsychosocial model, which I thought was pretty cool. And, you know, Barbie Dossie is a nurse theorist, you know, Gene Watson. There's plenty of oh. nurse theorists out there. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen mentioned um, talking to Gene Watson in our episode last time. So is there more that can be done in nursing school and maybe even more at the advanced level, APRN nursing school, to bring some of these things to bear a little more robustly? Absolutely. Because I feel like that when nurse practitioners get hired into that medical model, Mm -hmm. then the real gift of nursing is negated. And it's kind of, you know, just like you mentioned, you have 15 minutes. How can you explore the psychosocial, the biophysical, psychological and emotional when you have 15 minutes? All you can do then is just look at the physical. And we know that health is just way beyond just physical. So, yes, I do think, and I believe that this is why nurses are so geared and in the perfect spot to transform healthcare. Mm. Because we've got to shift the focus to wellness and disease prevention. And if you if that is your focus, then you have time, you'll have a model to be able to explore these other facets of health and wellness. Right. And for advanced practice nurses, for and for those listeners out there who are APRNs or maybe they they're they're you know bachelors prepared and they're thinking of pursuing to become an APRN, if they live in a state where there is complete full prescriptive authority where they can practice without a supervising physician, like New Mexico, for instance. How does that change the game? And is Kentucky one of those states where an APRN can practice independently? Yes and no. And the reason I say that is because, first of all, this is the push nationwide to push so that uh, nurse practitioners have full autonomy in their practice across the country. Right. We're getting there. It's crazy that it's not that way. Here in Kentucky, we have full authority. The only time we need a collaborative agreement is if we're doing controlled substances. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, interestingly enough, I do prescribe bioidentical hormones. Testosterone is considered a controlled substance. Why? I can't imagine, except that, you know, maybe some bodybuilder abused it at some point. Right. That's probably the issue. And right. now it's a controlled substance. So I do have a collaborating physician so that I can prescribe my testosterone. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You're doing bioidentical hormones and you need a supervising physician. Yeah. But everything else, yeah. well, narcotics too, but everything else you can do without supervision or yeah, well, I don't I don't ever prescribe narcotics. You know, that's yeah. in fact, as a matter of fact, when I started my business, I never intended to write one single prescription. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we wanted to get people off prescription medicines and move them more towards herbs, supplements, nutrient, you know, more uh, vitamins. But what I found is that uh, as time went on, it was necessary because sometimes people need a statin. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Exactly. Uh, I found that many people were not being treated adequately for thyroid issues. Mm-hmm. So then I needed to uh, prescribe the you know natural thyroid prescriptions, just like, like you I mentioned. Take. You're on Armor. Yeah, and I see a nurse practitioner who specializes in hormones for that particular issue. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. then, I, then I, the hormone issue came up because I saw a lot of women who were 45 or 50. Their cholesterol was going up. So then I figured out when your estrogen drops, your cholesterol goes up some, but it's usually temporary. And, you know, you kind of lose that zest for life. So they'd come in on an antidepressant, a statin, and, I, you know, <laughs> All they needed was a little hormones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. But that often gets ignored. So yeah. so then I started doing hormones. So to make so back to the question you asked, does Kentucky have full prescriptive? So we're there's a huge push this year in the Kentucky legislature to make it so that nurses have full nurse practitioners have full autonomy and to mm-hmm. get rid of that need for even controlled substances. Right. Because interestingly, during COVID, we, our governor was amazing. He was on it. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of governors across the country followed some of the things that he initiated. Hmm. But one of the things he initiated is he dropped that requirement that advanced practice nurses need to have a collaborative agreement for about a six to eight month period. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, if you look at the prescribing practices, the integrity of the nurse practitioners prescribing was still intact uh, during the emergency COVID time. Yeah, that was the object lesson, right? So for, for those who want to be APRNs or those who are APRNs listening, of course, you need to know what's going on in your state, obviously, yes. right? Um, yes. That's a no-brainer. You can get involved legislatively if you would like to help push for legislation in your state to get over that finish line to have full practice authority. And yes. you also need to be aware of the health insurance regulations and your Nurse Practice Act so that if you're going to open your own practice, you know what you're doing, you're within your scope of practice, you're, you're also trying to help your patients do what you do, which is work around those humongo 
co-insurance rates and see, oh, what's the cash rate for this test, right? So there's lots of ways that you can manipulate the system if you're willing to take the time. And I think that's part of what the issue is here. And we joked about how much you can accomplish in 15 minutes, but that's that's part of the that's part of the underlying problem here is that so many working in mainstream healthcare only have several minutes to accomplish so much. And patients do need to be heard. And you can't be heard very well in 15 minutes, especially if the provider's staring at a computer the whole time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's your what's your vision of what things could really look like? Like if you were queen of the world tomorrow, and if I could anoint yeah. you, I would. <laughs> um, but if you were queen of the world tomorrow, what what were what would be some of the initial changes you would make? So we would completely shift the healthcare so that it's based on wellness and disease prevention. Okay, good start. We would put nurses in charge of it so that, you know, nurses could then uh, look at the whole picture. And the vision we have is to do this, to start it in regional areas, statewide areas. So then that way you have, uh, and I know you've spoken with John Silver. Mm -hmm. So he has... His model, it's a public utility model. And so, you know, if we did healthcare the same way, then we could start offering healthcare in regional areas that would, would be under the uh, auspices of nursing. It would work very closely with public health so that we could use that data and those statistics to see what are the health priorities in Louisville, Kentucky, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, what are our major health priorities? That's really good. And to to kind of build upon that, on on page one forty four of your book, you talk about Doctor. Um, I forget his name. His last name is Thomas. Bill Thomas. Bill Thomas's Eden Alternative Principles, and this is his 10 principles to combat the three plagues of the elderly, loneliness, boredom, and helplessness. But these principles actually, they apply to more than the elderly, don't they? Doesn't this apply to sort of what you're speaking to, the system you would create if you were queen of the world? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And what's what's the first Eden Alternative Principle? Create a cultural shift from institutional models of care to person-directed values and practices, which put the elders first. You could just substitute which puts the patient first. The patient first. And then what's the second one? Commitment to creating a human habitat of abounding life with plants, animals, and children. Mm-hmm. Right. And then number number three is acknowledge that loving companionship is the antidote to loneliness, right? And what's number four? Create opportunities to give care as well as receive care. This focus pairs elder storytellers with recording partners who are at least 16 years old and who record the elder's story and legacy. Again, right. going back to, you know, people just want to be heard. They want to have people witness their life experiences. 
That's right. And then there's there's a bunch more. It goes up to number 10. But number seven is interesting. It says medical treatment is viewed as the servant of genuine human caring and never its master. Wow. I think that's a really, really interesting principle. And I don't think we we really live by that very much. Um <laughs> and there's there are there are institutional and I guess you would call legislative and governmental changes that can be made. And those feel like, those can feel very insurmountable. But at the same time, making the small changes can also feel really hard when you're really deep in the system. Mm -hmm. So last week, Kathleen, your dear friend mentioned ways in which nurses can, you know, call their legislators and get involved and write letters to the editor and all those different things you can do that are more impactful than we often think. So from your perspective, rather than looking at it that way, if we kind of focus in a little bit more, you're coming from a place of how you can actually change your actual practice, the things you actually do with your patients and how you approach them, right? Yes, Okay. So could you say something more about the philosophy that underlies your practice and something that's very close to your heart around why you do what you do? Yes. So the philosophy is one of caring. You mentioned Jean Watson. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she's a nursing theorist who did the theory of caring. To That's me, right. that is that is nursing, having that caring, uh, compassionate environment. That's how people heal. So that's the premise of everything. Mm-hmm. And then two, you know, just um, being able to put, look at the whole picture. Because many times when people come, for instance, I see a lot of people with autoimmune issues. Mm -hmm. So no one understands really the autoimmune connection. They don't, it's, you know, it's autoimmune, it's idiopathic, which means they don't know what the real cause is. Mm -hmm. But what we've seen is that in many cases, that's tied directly into our food system and the toxicity of our food genetically modified organisms or, you know, with um, the dairy industry that's toxic. So, mm-hmm. you know, the wheat, why are so many people having wheat sensitivity? When you mm-hmm. look at how wheat is uh, farmed, it's sprayed two days to two weeks with glyphosate mm-hmm. before it's harvested. So then we turn around and eat that just a couple weeks later. And we know that that in that gastrointestinal tract. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sets you up for autoimmune issues. Right. And so many times people have come in, they've seen, you know, for instance, a rheumatologist, they've seen a gastroenterologist, they've seen all these specialists, but no one has sat down, listened to the whole story and put the whole puzzle together. I call it the 5,000 piece puzzle. So this is why sometimes we need, you know, this is why we block two hours for that first appointment, because we've got to look at the whole picture. And when you do that in a compassionate, caring environment, that just goes a long way. 
um, you know, to help people heal. It does. Yeah. So thanks for bringing a lot of this to light. We're looking at the micro, we're looking at the macro, we're looking at nursing practice. We're also looking at ways in which we can work around the systems that seem to stand in the way of us being healthy or helping our patients be healthy. So thanks for, you know, doing that good work out there and being part of you know, groups of people and communities of nurses and healthcare providers who are trying to change things like you and Kathleen and John Silver and Barbie and all these other wonderful people who've been working so hard for so long to try to affect change. And if people want to find you, they can find you at Integrative Medicine for You, which is the number four in the letter U. So IntegrativeMedicineForYou.com. And can they also find you on any social media? platforms? Yes, I have an Instagram account, LinkedIn, and a Facebook, which by the way, you know, if they contact our office, because you mentioned how, you know, not everybody can afford it, but every Wednesday, I post a Wednesday wellness tip. First week is a physical tip, then a psychological and emotional tip, and then a spiritual tip. So we just rotate those three. And so every week I post a little health tip. And so there's no charge for that. They could sign up for our newsletter and get those wellness tips right into their email. Great. And they can share those with their patients too. Absolutely. So we'll have links to all your social media platforms, your YouTube video, everything that you've provided for me. We'll have that for people to check out on the show notes. And they can also purchase a copy of the book and we'll have a link to do that from the show notes as well. So I will say if they put in the code NURSE2020, mm -hmm. then they get a discount on the purchase of the book and you can get it for $20. They, where do they use that code? On, on Amazon? When you order the book, yeah, the book link that uh, I, I'll send you the book link to put on your site. Okay, the link will be in the show notes and we'll have a discount code of NURSE2020. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. That's really kind, yeah. Kim. Thank you so much. And thanks for being here and gracing the airwaves. And thanks for bringing so much great information and light to those who need it the most. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. Now, I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode, and I hope you can take some inspired action from the things Kim has shared with us today and apply those to your life, to your family's health and life, perhaps, and even to your professional practice. And remember, if you'd like to contact Kim, go to the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 322 in order to learn all about Kim and her practice. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts, taking on the tough topics in health and care with empathy, expertise, and commitment to excellence. Find us at thehealthpodcastnetwork.com. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith Singh, adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my friend Kim Evans bidding you adieu from Louisville, Kentucky. Beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you, Kim. Thanks for everyone for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. Mm -hmm.